Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone. I'm Tom Hannafin, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA their Silent Disco IPA, and the Double Disco Southeast PA Style Double IPA. But don't forget, our official beer, the Paydirt IPA, is still available right now in Funk's Emmaus Tap Room only, but it won't be around much longer. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Also, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, or the college football bowl season. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-B, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One is the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black. And the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater wordmark over the heart. And on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season, it has Matt McGloin's name and number. It's the perfect gift for the holiday season. Again, head to shop.believe.com. That's shop.b-l-e-a-v.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. I want to thank you all for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College, as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, which is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Tune in and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037, at McGloin QB11, and at Tom Hannafin. Uh, this is a very challenging week for everybody in the Penn State community. This is not just about football, and this frankly transcends it. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, the 21st. Earlier this morning, it was announced that Penn State legend Franco Harris had passed away in his sleep at the age of 72. Uh, obviously, this is a heartbreaking event uh, for a lot of people, whether you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Penn State Nittany Lions football fan, or just somebody who has known what Franco Harris is uh, and was as a man. So this is a very difficult time. Obviously, Penn State is gearing up for a lot of things with the Rose Bowl on the horizon. Today was also early National Signing Day uh, for Penn State and colleges all across the country. So uh, to dive into this a little bit and considering this is a uh, Kind of an emergency podcast, considering this uh, the the events of today. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not joined by Matt McGoin, but I do have somebody with me who can help break down the significance of what is going on right now here in Penn State football. A lot of happenings with NSD, NIL, transfer portal, etc. But also to help us remember the life of Franco Harris. Joined now here on Paydirt by Mike Porman, obviously Penn State College of Communications professor and also writes for statecollege.com. Uh, Mike, thank you for coming back on the show. Matt and I have had so much fun speaking to you, and obviously you were instrumental in our time at Penn State. You are individual professor at one point or another. And given the news of this week, and frankly, 
all the things that have been swirling around the Penn State football program as of late. Uh, I thought it would be great to get you back on here, and especially the news uh, that came out early Wednesday morning, the passing of Penn State legend Franco Harris. Um, when you saw the news, what were some of the first thoughts that came to mind? Uh, a couple. And thanks for having me on, Tom. You know, I'm a huge fan of you and Matt on screen, off screen, on mic, off mic. Um, it's two days from the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, 50 years. I knew that was going on. It was, it's huge. It's a seminal moment. And, and it's the number one highlight of uh, in NFL history. So I thought of that. But I also, I saw Franco about six weeks ago. It wasn't a conversation, really. It was just saying hi. I was at a, at a private party for Don Belisario, of all people. Franco and Danny came in a little late, but I have to tell you, and I flash back this immediately, is Franco came in near the end of the uh, – uh, it was a brunch at the home of a former Penn State president, if that gives you an idea of where it was at. And it was literally – someone goes, Franco's here. And the whole the whole place just got uplifted and he came in and it's a it's a trite phrase, but he is larger than life. And he is such a celebrity that to see him up close and personal and he just he just took over the room, not in a showy way. It's just his warmth, his demeanor, his size and and Franco's kind of ageless. So I immediately flashed back to that and was. I was thankful that I had a chance to to see him. We're not buddies or anything, but I, I thought back to that and um, just how important. And this was a room with big time Penn Staters um, from all areas. And Franco was it, man. Franco was the, Franco was the guy. He he does that to a room. He does that to Penn Staters, and he does that to sports fans and Pennsylvanians especially. Yeah, the, the response on social media, you know, uh, for Penn State linebackers, uh, Brandon Short and LeVar Arrington, you know, voicing how heartbroken they are just because uh, you can't find one person that has ever had a negative thing to say really about Franco Harris. And what astonishes me, Mike, is this has been for 50 years. I mean, he was part of Penn State. He was Letterman from 69 to 71. And then shortly thereafter, he meets up with Jack Ham, who had just gotten drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers playing for the black and gold and has the immaculate reception very, very quickly in his professional career. And it just seemed like that space and time, it was the perfect storm. And I think a lot of people forget that he was not exactly the featured back at Penn state. He was often overshadowed by the great Lydell Mitchell. Um, thinking back on the accomplishments of those teams there from 69 to 71. Um, what part did Franco play? Well, he was really, Butch Cassidy, Butch, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance kid. I mean, Lydell was Mr. Do Everything, and and Franco really was number two. But, you know, I remember Joe Paterno saying years ago that he had an inkling that Franco was going to be much greater in the pros than he was in college. And another Franco thought, even when he ambled into the room a couple of weeks ago, he kind of like on the immaculate reception, he kind of just was following the play. And if you remember him as a running back, he was for a big guy. He was great at those little stutter steps. And that's how Franco went through life as just as a kind of a gentle soul, finding the opening, making an impact and making literally making things happen. He was behind the scenes with so many things at Penn state, uh, always raised his hand was always part of it. Um, 
Uh, it really is. It's hard to believe that he was 72. Is it strange? You know, I think this thing in sports is often, you know, it, it seems to be going away and it seems to be kind of worked out of sports is that these people who feel like they're true to the community, the university, the team that they play for. I mean, as much as Franco Harris was a Penn State Nittany Lion, he was just as much a Pittsburgh Steeler. You don't see that very often, Mike. And you and I have had discussions about this, and we've both spoken to players uh, past and present where sometimes they finish the game and then they don't want anything else to do with the game, and they, and they move on from it. Uh, James Franklin described uh, Franco Harris uh, today. We're recording this on Wednesdays and called him a steward of Penn State. It, it's become more commonplace for athletes to just kind of go about their lives and move on. But Franco remained committed to Penn State until the day he died. Uh, what do you accredit that to? Well, literally, you know, he I credit some of it to Joe Paterno. Joe Paterno fosters that relationship. And as much as anybody's Super Paterno has fostered that relationship before and after Joe's death to invite him to everything. I thought it was kind of neat that Franco was show, Franco and Don Belisario, who who, you know, created NCIS and Magnum P.I. He and Franco were really good friends that's the kind of kind of person that franco was if you were a penn stater he was your friend you know he was and he kind of transcended uh you and i are different generations but both after franco kids today still know who franco is he's one of those people that has transcended generations um i think saquon and i thought of saquon today too is that when you go back to franco to saquon um, and Singleton is still is still young, but Saquon had an easy, engaging, open manner to him walking across campus in class, um, kind of a little bit in Franco's footsteps. Again, they're both they're both both people. Franco Saquon, they're the one they're the one name, and they over fifty years, Penn Staters who are football fans, they know Franco. They know Saquon, even though Kurt Warner was fabulous and Kajana was was terrific. Those two guys are really neat bookends as far as what they mean to Penn Staters. Well, and especially you talk about the pantheon of great running backs at Penn State. The fact that Franco Harris is still in the top 20 in total rushing yards, the way that football has progressed in the 50 years since he was at Penn State, uh, it speaks to a what he was able to accomplish there. As, as you put it, the uh, Cassidy to Sundance, <laughs> which is really amazing. And, and all the ridiculous amount of talent, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, the two that Penn State has now. I mean, it just seems like the, there's records that are meant to be broken. And his staying power, what he did on the field and off the field, uh, has endured. Uh, the immediate reaction to all this, Mike, I just uh, I keep thinking of the same word, heartbreak. And it's a really fascinating time for Penn State football because coming out of the pandemic, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions about, you know, is this program going to get to the point that Penn State fans want to see it at national championship picture? You wind down the season 10 and 2, you're going to the Rose Bowl against Utah. This is a dream scenario. And amidst all the craziness that occurs in December now with NIL, transfer portal, recruiting, player retention, this bombshell gets dropped right in the middle of that. You're in the middle of the Penn State community. How is everybody processing this? Well, as you framed it really well, Tom. Uh, that is the situation. And um, to his credit, when James Franklin came out this afternoon in the Beaver Stadium media room to talk about another really good recruiting class, maybe not great, 
but he took he took time and it was he wasn't reading from a piece of paper which i thought was very impressive for james james is always really prepared and so he kind of spoke from the heart and he began the presser like that in not an informal way but a personal way and i i appreciated that from james that it wasn't a script that that it was really heartfelt about Franco and and then when he tried to make the turn to t- to talk about today in the signing class he goes this is really awkward this is hard to do and James is always really composed James mm-hmm. is you know James has got it down to a T so I you could see um that it impacted him on a day where usually you know he's on top of his game and 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 he was but um, you could see that. And then for the older folks on the beat, you know, we talked beforehand about that. But there's not many folks left who who have, you know, who are on the beat who, um, who you know, who, they know Franco. They've never met him. So um, in that sense, you know, in some ways, he's the, the end of an era, kind of like a couple of years ago when Wally Triplett passed. And Wally yes. Triplett had, had come to practices. Um, in Luba Hall. So now you're starting to see these major icons that in Penn State football um, are passing away. Do you think, uh, you know, the, the core of Penn State, you know, the core of the Penn State traditions and values has been carried on, you know, that these these legends can rest easy knowing that the program or at least the, the community is very much still the same as what we've gotten accustomed to it. You know, I, I got I got raised in this in this Penn State family. My mom was class seventy eight. My brother was two years ahead of me. So this is all I've known my whole life. But I personally have been very proud to see people like Franco, like Wally Triplett, um, like Jack Ham right now. You know, carry on the legacy, carry on that pride and tradition. Um, is it kind of one of those situations, Mike, where it's like you know, rest easy, your work is, is not gone uh, wasted or unnoticed? Well, it's a really that's a great question, and it's an interesting time. I think Franklin has done a good job of embracing the recent players. Um, but when Penn State played at Rutgers uh, a number of weeks ago, their invited guest um, to spend uh, the weekend, the, the the night before, and then that morning was John Schaefer, uh, the quarterback of the 1986 national championship team. Uh, John was not maybe not an icon, but was incredibly successful on Wall Street. And I asked James, I go, well, what did, you know, what did um, John being there mean to you? And what did he share? And James was circumspect to a degree about what John shared. But I thought it was a significant moment 35 years later that they were had the the presence of mind to be in New Jersey and ask John Schaefer who's there. There's still work to be done. There's um when Penn when the 82 national championship team uh was recognized early in the season, Kurt Warner wasn't there. Now Todd Blackledge was broadcasting the game, but they could have done some things held on a weekend where maybe Todd was broadcasting the game or could have got the assignment. But for me you can't honor the 82 team without Ebony and Ivory there. So I think in that sense, they're the next big generation. Um, Penn State still has some work to do. That's, you know, there's, it has an incredibly rich history and maybe the passing of Franco uh, will, will create some better appreciation of 
folks from the 70s and the 80s still need to be involved? I sincerely hope so. And you talked about James Franklin's comments. Also, um, Athletic Director Pat Kraft uh, spoke about the passing of uh, Franco Harrison, stated that he just recently got to see Franco Harrison, Dana, as you mentioned. Uh, what, if anything, does it prove to you about the quality of a person and professional that Pat Kraft is? Kraft is, I got to tell you, Kraft, um, all era, all eras of, of Penn State athletes and Penn State employees, past and present, Kraft has done a great job of reaching out and visiting with folks, meeting with folks. He's really, he has a real sense, I think, of what Penn State is all about, having gone to Indiana, having um, played in Beaver Stadium. He's sincere. I think there's great hope there as far as Pat trying to loop in and connect Penn Staters of different generations. I've seen it. He's very proactive in that regard. And and football leads the way. But he's um, – I'll tell you a quick story. Spider Caldwell, who's the number two guy. Friend Caldwell. of the show. For, yeah, Spider's fabulous. I saw Spider outside of Beaver Stadium a couple of weeks ago. And he was telling me, like, two weeks into the job, Kraft came over to see Spider in Beaver Stadium. He wanted a tour of Beaver Stadium – Every room, every piece, all of it. He goes, show me everything. And Spider was thrilled by that. Someone new wanted to know every nook and cranny about Beaver Stadium. And who better to give you the tour, right, than Spider? Oh, my God. Yeah. He's <laughs> a curator of Beaver Stadium, uh, essentially, and is now yeah. working so, uh, in the Beaver Stadium staff. So I, I, I do think um, I Kraft has shown time and time again that, that he's doing that. I, I've been very impressed by him. Yeah, I, I continue to be very, very pleased with the the, the alignment, as uh, James Franklin has put it, from the president to the AD to the head football coach, and that's great. But more importantly, you know, losing an icon like Franco Harris this time of year, it's the holidays, and, and you mentioned it a little bit uh, as we got started, is that the intention by the Pittsburgh Steelers was this Saturday night, Christmas Eve, they're hosting the Las Vegas Raiders, and it was going to be the 50-year and one-day anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and the Steelers were are set to retire Franco Harris's number 32 that he wore with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's heartbreaking uh, to a degree, Mike, that he won't get to see that moment. Uh, and as also, I've seen plenty of people say, well, why wasn't this done sooner? And it's just, you know, it's hindsight's twenty twenty, but that moment will still be extraordinarily special. And if anything, uh, I, I'm so looking forward to getting to watch and see what it is that they do uh, to honor Frank O'Harris because he absolutely has earned it. And I don't know, when you, when you think about that moment that's going to go down this weekend, how do you feel about it? Well, it, it's, it's true that he won't be there to experience it, but hopefully uh, his family and everyone can take solace that he knew it was going to happen. He knew, and it was 50th anniversary was just the timing was just perfect. His number was going to be retired. So in that sense, um, he wouldn't have been there to to receive the adulation, but he did know it was coming. There's other, one other thing about Franco um, that says, speaks to the, to the man. Um, no matter where you come down on the issue, uh, over the last decade, Franco has been steadfast in his support of Joe Paterno, especially Joe Paterno as a man, as a leader, as an educator, which is which is kind of interesting because Joe did give Franco a lot of crap when Franco was a player. And I haven't seen this anywhere, but I thought of this again this morning. Franco's brother 
Pete was an all-American safety at Penn mm-hmm. State that Joe threw off the team for academics. It's like if Franco had a reason to be ticked at Joe, and he had a lot, including throwing brother Pete off of the team. The guy was an All-American. Um, it just kind of, to me, the fact that the loyalty that Franco showed Joe in those situations um, really, again, says a lot about him. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team is geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, basketball every fan is covered head over to their website smackapparel.com and use the promo code paydirt at checkout for 10 percent off again that's smackapparel.com promo code paydirt at checkout why wear boring when you can wear smack are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care then maestro's classic is perfect for you this month is No Shave November, so visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com all month long. You can get a free beard comb with any purchase of $25 or more. Just use the promo code FREECOMB. That's F-R-E-E-C-O-M-B. Also, a reminder, use our promo code PAYDIRT15, that's PAYDIRT15, at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's classic, crafting a better you. And it's something, you know, you touched on multiple Harrises. Uh, we just had Chris Ganner on the podcast. Uh, the Ganner family is a very important family in the history of Penn State football. Uh, the, the name Zordich comes to mind. The name Maudie comes to mind. You don't see that at too many schools. Why do you think that's been at Penn State for so long? Is that a Joe Pa thing? Well, I think it's Penn State is a Midwestern university that's located in Pennsylvania. And we're we're blue collar and we're in the middle of nowhere and you come here and this is it. And you you know as well as anybody, the rectangle that is campus, you know, is one mile by three miles and it's all self-contained. I gotta tell you, Penn Staters, Penn Staters, um, they they always say yes. For me, when you mention that, it's for me one of the neat things about Penn State is I, I, I've taught Warner's kid. I've taught Kisner's kid. I've taught McCluskey's kid, um, you know, McGarrity's kid. So for me, and they're all good kids, you know, for me, that's, that's been, uh, that's been a lot. Um, Zordich's kid, <laughs> all good kids. Um, that for me has been really neat. There's tons of second and third generations, but that their fathers were stars here and they come and they, they perform in the classroom. Um, and I n- knew their dads and wrote about their dads. That's, that's been special. I don't want to make this about me, but that just shows you the long line of Penn state. That's I'm, I hope I hang on long enough to, to teach McGloin's kids, but I don't know. <laughs> He's got two crazy boys. So it could obviously couldn't join us for this, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll get a Hannafin, another Hannafin in your class one day. There, see what we can there you go. 
No, the passing of Franco Harris is just, uh, it's heartbreaking. And I kind of touched on it a little bit, Mike, is that this time of year, especially for something like this to happen, uh, and and you saw it in in James Franklin's face, is that it's very difficult to just take this in stride and pivot to the business of football. Now, this is something that you've been paying attention a lot to. As a matter of fact, you have your top 10 takeaways uh, regarding National Signing Day and all the activity that's been going on in December. That's available right now on statecollege.com. Um, not trying to you know move away from Franco Harris, but then focusing on what today was. We're recording on Wednesday. This was the uh, early National Signing Day for Penn State. And considering how everything went, 10 and two in the regular season, the Rose Bowl on the horizon, um, what were some of your takeaways that maybe we can just we'll, we'll tease to your article on statecollege.com? Well, um, I thought this was interesting. Andy Frank, who's been with Franklin since Vanderbilt, is really the GM of the team, manages the personnel. Super smart guy. He was an engineer. He really runs a tight ship. Um, and I asked him, you know, what's the number? How many spots do you have open? And he said they have three to seven spots, which is Kind of good to know as you look forward to who's in the portal, who's leaving, whatever, that's the number they're working with. And then Taylor Stubblefield, who's the offensive recruiting coordinator, um, he said they're they're not looking to the portal for any quarterbacks. I thought, you know, there's been speculation or whatever. He was very certain about that. He seemed happy with the three quarterback room. Um, He did acknowledge they need a number four quarterback to run the scout team, but maybe Mason Stahl will stick around for year 17. Maybe Hannafin has, I know you were a wide receiver, some eligibility. I made a glass, it ain't happening. (laughs) But, you know, you've seen speculation. Are they going to pick someone up? He goes, we're not even looking. So I thought that was interesting. He acknowledged that they're looking for, and everyone knows this, but here straight from the coach is interesting. They're looking for – uh, a couple more wide receivers. Um, Terry Smith made an offhand comment about NIL uh, being promised money elsewhere. So you look at the Hussey kid from St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, who they thought might sign today, but hasn't signed. Terry gave a big hint that it's really a money thing. Um, those are those are some of the some of the takeaways. And then I was surprised. I didn't put this in my piece, but when I went to the on three consensus rankings, I want to ask you where, as of today, right now, where does Penn state stand national rankings, uh, Penn state on three consensus rankings. Do you know? The last I looked, and again, we're, we're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, this was, I think, number 13 overall in the country in terms of the top of the recruiting class. I didn't see one five star in the group, but I, I don't get hung up on the stars. Honestly, it's what these guys wind up being on the field. But at least the ranking I saw was 13. And then I just checked and now they're 14th and 14 is good. It may be great, but it's not elite. And last year's recruiting class may have been elite when you look at Carter and the backs and deny um this is a this is a really good recruiting class but it's not a it's not a great one I think Ohio State's three and Michigan's below that but Michigan's killing it in the portal I mean they're just knocking it dead um so the gap still kind of exists 
The gap still exists. And then there's continuing to be that conversation of who's paying people to just flat out come to school. And it's pretty obvious who those teams are. I think the way that Oregon has been, I'll call it spending um, during the transfer portal area, that's very obvious. I was genuinely surprised to see how much I saw the University of Arizona pop up as a location for transfer portal uh, players. Obviously, Colorado is a hot place to go now with Deion Sanders there, so you can comprehend that. But it's just gotten to a very odd place, and Penn State has been very, very vocal, uh, as has Michigan, but, you know, we'll see how things go. Uh, James Franklin has said we're not going to pay anybody to come to Penn State. So I guess the question is, is the potential – a drop off from last year's class to this year's class, maybe saying that, hey, we've got our nucleus and now we're just trying to build depth. Yeah, I think um, Penn State maybe not be paying them directly, but Penn State is arranging NIL deals. Uh, what was interesting to me, Kenny Sanders, who was at Oregon when Cristobal was there and Joe Moorhead was there now is back. He's the the number two recruiting um person behind Andy Frank. Um, Kenny did say, I thought it was interesting. He goes, listen, if a kid wants to talk about NIL first, if it's the first thing they say, he's probably not for us. We'll talk about it, but it's not number one. I mean, Penn State's coming through with NIL deals, um, but I don't think they're uh, in the business. Uh, and they, he said this, Zemitis said this, um, Terry Smith, who's had a defensive record, defensive uh, recruiting, they all said that um, they're not in the business of bidding for players. I think they can offer a decent package. They can offer a Tesla, but it's another thing um, to deliver the bags of cash that, that we hear are happening in some places. The Tesla is a decent bargaining chip. I think Drew Aller and a bunch of players got Teslas. I read about that earlier this week. Uh, it's yeah. It's the, the thing I thought about when I looked at the, the the players that are coming in here in 2023, and there's a good amount of them that are actually going to be starting in January. So I was very encouraged by that. Um, I see a lot of offensive line. I see a lot of defensive line. I see a lot of tight end. You see a lot of defensive back. Um, James Franklin has been vocal that he would like to get more flexible offensive tackles slash guards slash centers, like guys who can basically do everything uh, in the portal. So that's something to look at. And then two punters were acquired in the transfer portal. But I think the head scratcher to me, Mike, is that uh, no wide receiver was picked up. I mean, there was I think there was one um, blanking on his name, but he's from yeah, Virginia. Yeah, but there was one. That's it. Yeah, One. And does that instill confidence in you that they like Keandre Lambert Smith and Evans and Sanders and possibly Driver. I mean, there's a Harrison Wallace, or is it like, hey, they got to keep fishing here in the transfer port? That's a, that's a great question. It's interesting you mentioned Driver. Stubblefield ran off a list of five or six guys that have to step up, and Driver was not in that list. Not that he may not be by the time the season starts, but I know he came in as as a dual athlete and he wanted to play wide receiver. What I think it is, is when you look at the marketplace, um, there's a lot of wide receivers. So you don't have to invest in a four-year you four-year guy. You look at Mitchell Tinsley. Stubblefield talked about this today. This is great. He goes, listen, when I watched tape of Western Kentucky, I can tell that he's a good wide receiver. Very different than seeing a kid come out of school. Wide receivers, 
the far, you know, the saying, the farther away from the ball that you are, the quicker you can play. You were a wide receiver. You can step in and play in right school. away. Yeah, but nevertheless, you can step in and play right away. So I think they're saying, and from what I'm seeing, there's this kid at Kent State, you know, people who who had Penn State had previously engaged with, Stubblefield mentioned that as well, is that, listen, on the open marketplace, the coin of the realm, they're wide receivers. You can get a wide receiver who's pretty good, who's done well, and you can see what they've done in college on tape, and you can plug them in. By now, I don't think Mega Mega's great at special teams, but yeah. – He's just – he's never going to be a starter in my opinion. That was my concern during the offseason. You could you – yeah, know, I remember in the lead-up to the blue-white game, Malik Mega talking about mastering the route tree. And I was like, hmm. And that, that was a little concerning after a handful of years on campus. Played a lot of special teams and obviously is working his butt off, which is great. Is a physical freak. But if it's just not there yet in terms of understanding the offense, where you got to be, all those little things, you're really going to struggle to get on the field. And the fact that Harrison Wallace and Evans did see a fair amount of time this year, um, you know, you're just getting pushed further and further down the depth chart. The thing I'm kind of surprised about, or not really surprised about, Mike, but, you know, we, we talked all season on Pater about you got to use the tight ends more. You got three free tight ends. Well, I think you just brought in another three. Maybe it's four. I can't remember exactly. But you brought in another bevy of really talented tight ends. Uh, Rappelier from Massachusetts is already drawing comparisons to Pat Fryermuth that we've had here on the show. So is this the wave of the future that Franklin wants? Or is it just, hey, this is available and they want to come here. Let's take him. Well, the last class, you got Jerry Cross and Killiel Dinkins. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe it's the Patriots used to have a ton. And if if Strange stays, and I, for me, I still think that's up in the air. I would kind of bet that he's going. Um, but you look at how they used Warren. Strange could flex out. I, I think they're going to fill that gap. You know, these guys across the Dinkins, the ones that are coming in, Warren's a big guy. You know, they're big. I think they're, it's, you're right. There's a ton of tight ends. There are more good tight ends than there are good wide receivers, which does not to me seem like a formula for success, especially when you got a guy with quarterback with a rocket for an arm. Yeah, and especially what we know from Mike Yurcich's track record at Oklahoma State, Ohio State, is that, yeah, you got to get some guys out there that can be uh, dangerous. Obviously, the one freshman uh, that's com- uh, about to come in, I'm blanking on his name, but I think it's Taylor, uh, one of the wide receivers from Virginia who's uh, supposed to be extraordinarily fast. I was like, okay, great. If this is the type of guy that could blow the roof off a of defense, that's very exciting. You've got your running game. Uh, and frankly, I, I feel pretty confident about the offensive line as it stands right now. So if you put in guys like Birchmeyer, I know they're very excited about, and he's going to be coming on campus early in January. If you can keep this nucleus of this offensive line intact, and then you can bolster it with this class of 2023 and maybe some guys in the transfer portal, Penn State could be set up to do something great. And it kind of comes back to my thought is that, oh, this was just – making sure the reserves were good and and building towards the future, not necessarily fishing in this class to get a ton of starters. I think that's what – is that what fans are maybe thinking, oh, God, where is this guy going to start? It's not exactly the possibility. No, I think last year was um, spoiled folks a little bit, especially when you look at like how Carter came on. But you're right, Taylor's the only wide receiver – I think that's this. It's this is bad to look far ahead and pass the Rose Bowl, but wide receiver is going to be the real problem next year. I mean, Liam Clifford 
is an inside route guy. Amari Amari Evans is young and has some possibility. Dotton is in year three or four. Uh, not to belabor the point, um, but I think it it, uh, it underscores the next two weeks they're going to have to get a pair of wide receivers. Yeah, and luckily there's a ton of them in the transfer portal, as you put it. Uh, and from what you've seen this week and you know, weeks past, obviously the transfer portal opened, a lot of players declaring that they're going to be returning, some declaring for the NFL as you know, we're still speculating about uh, Brenton Strange. Nick Tarburton has declared he's going to the NFL draft, but you're seeing a lot of guys opt in to stay for the bowl game at least and then move on to their professional aspirations. Um, considering everything that we've talked about here on the – heartbreaking passing of Franco Harris, national signing day, recruiting, transferring. And I, I mean, it just seems like a whirlwind of everything that's going on at times. It can feel like, Oh yeah, by the way, we have to play a, a bowl game against a really good Utah team on January 2nd. Do you feel that's been lost at all? Or is it just, Hey, everybody's just moving along business as usual. No, it's great insight. Great, great. I think it has been lost. Uh, Penn State's players had their – this is amazing to me. They You get 15 pre-bowl practices. Penn State has had, already had 10. They had their 10th yesterday, sent the players home. They'll be back on Christmas Day in the morning, the 26th, to fly out. And then they only have five more practices before the Rose Bowl. So two-thirds of – the you that that extra time that development time has already surpassed and there's been very little talk about that and i think practice was open once for uh, a millisecond so there's not a lot of insight on what what has gone on there and i think the other thing is is cliff's going to ride out the storm um you know this is truly going to be the end of the 2022 season um but there has not been a lot of talk of that um, and I think part of it is if it had been like a USC or an Oregon or Washington, but Utah's great team, strong team, tough team. I mean, they showed what they had last year against Ohio State and beating USC twice, but there's not a buzz in town about Utah. There's just, there's not. And the fact that the students are gone, there's even less of a buzz. I, I genuinely feel like people need to give Utah a lot more respect. And I understand the way that that Pac-12 title game went down. Caleb Williams gets hurt and he's just, it's not the same USC team. Clearly Lincoln Riley doesn't really believe in defense. So that just didn't really come to fruition for the Trojans. But the way that the Utah defense reacted basically from the second quarter on and just beat a living hell out of USC, it was daunting. It was terrifying. So I hope Penn State fans are ready because it's going to be a dogfight in Pasadena. So, Mike, I can't thank you enough for coming on, uh, especially in the midst of the holiday season. I know you're about to take off for some time with your family. So I sincerely appreciate you coming on. Uh, any final thoughts here, especially as we remember Franco Harris? Um, yeah, Franco, you, 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 you use the word legend and icon, but – as he moved across the Penn State land, landscape, everybody loved Franco. I mean, truly, truly beloved figure. And I, and I'll think back to, you know, a couple of weeks ago at this at this brunch, he walks in the door. Franco's here, you know. That's that's special when 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 you show up and people are are that excited, fifty years after you played. Special is a perfect way to put it. Mike, thank you so much, and happy holidays. You too, Tom. Thanks. Take care. 
Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College on Mondays and Fridays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern for the remainder of the Penn State football season. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037 at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.